doing this as a second time is going to be much easier. No, it's not. All right. Um, you get the same jitters. You get the same, you know. Oh gosh, I'm just going to muck it all up. But I praise God that it's not about me tonight. It is. It's all about letting God transform us tonight. All right. Um, I was just thinking back, and it's almost a year since uh, Sharon and I moved to Port Lincoln, and uh, we can't help but thank God that we are in such a blessed community, we're in a blessed church. We are so thankful that uh, we are part of a great church, like, like One Heart. Um, I just felt like, just to follow on from what Pastor Rob said earlier on, uh, is I, I also really want to honour all the people who serve behind the scenes, People that are like Neil and, Pris- and, and Priscilla, uh, the ones that serve in the kids' church, the ones that serve in hospitality, the ones that also help Neil and Priscilla in the kitchen. I, I really want to honor you guys because sometimes, you know, we don't see what you guys do, but, you know, especially even with kids' church, I see the, the efforts that all the volunteers put in, and I really want to honor you. I really want to honor all the kids' church workers tonight. And if you are there, yeah. Um, the, the Bible says that we, we should give more honor to those parts of the body that we seldom see. And so it, it is very important that, uh, that we honor our brothers and sisters who actually do those things. All right. Um, all right. Tonight, I'm going to share with you a few thoughts uh, based on a very popular story in the book of John. Uh, the title of my, of my sharing tonight is God, if only you are here. Mm. Right? That's the face says it all. Um, I don't know where I don't know about you, but I say that I use that phrase quite often. <laughs> oh God, if only you are here, you know, this would not have happened. Um, and many times in our lives we we face trials, we face obstacles, and then we feel that God, you you didn't really come through for me. And uh, where are you, God? And uh, yeah, you we sometimes get angry with God and we say, God, oh, you weren't there. Now, take heart, people, because it happened in the Bible too. It happened all throughout history. So we are not alone because most of us, when the brown thing hits the fan, you know. <laughs> actually, uh, I need to share with you this. Yeah, I did use that phrase a uh, couple, of, I think two months ago. It's really disgusting, all right? So, so brace yourself, all right? I was alone with Abby at home. Sharon was out doing something for church. I gave Abby a bath, and uh, Abby was happily playing in the bath. And she was playing with her toys. She's got a couple of rubber duckies and the little turtles that float. And say, all right, Abby, you're, you're doing good. And she's splashing the water away. And I said, oh, I'm just going to grab the towel. I disappeared for a minute. I came back in, and to my shock and horror, the brown thing really hit the fan, all right? <laughs> Literally, because she is sitting in a bathtub full of poo, and she's blowing bubbles in the water, <laughs> all right? And she looked at me with that smile. <laughs> it's like, oh, gosh, if only you were here. You can just plug the hole and wait for me to take her up so that I can change it. I just froze, and I'm thinking, what should I do first, all right? Think about it. This is a puzzle, people. What do you do when your little one sits in the, in the bathtub full of poop? All right. What do you do first? Do you empty the water? 
What do you take all the poo out first? What do you take your little one? You shower her down, and then you wash the rest of the toilet afterwards. All right. Thank God I did the second, the second option. For those of you who don't have children, don't worry, it will happen to you. One fine day. All right. Um, all right. So when the brown thing hits the fan in life, you know, many times, you know, we feel that God has forsaken us. And it is no different in the book of John, because I'm going to talk to you about the story of Lazarus. All right? Now, if you turn to your Bibles in the book of John, chapter 11, verse 1 to 43, I will not read through the whole scripture, but I'm going to give you snippets of this story and to share with you a few principles that, that I hope that God will speak to you and encourage you, because I believe that we all will grow this year. I want to grow. All right? And many times, unfortunately, God grows us through suffering and trials. That's the, that's the unfortunate thing. We grow through good things and we also go, grow through disappointments. All right? And so this year, I can guarantee you and I that we will face knockbacks and disappointments, but God can take it as an opportunity to grow us. All right? So I just want to share with you the story of Lazarus. My help if it switched on. All right. Okay. So I just want to share with you the first point that God's delay does not equate to his rejection. All right. Now, if you know the story of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus are very close friends of Jesus. All right. In fact, I think certain sources say that they are one of the biggest supporters of his ministry. Not just, you know, Oh, hey, Jesus, I support you. Hey, yeah, yeah. You know, it's actually, they might even finance his ministry. All right, so these are dear friends of Jesus. And when the word goes out that Lazarus is sick, messengers went to Jesus, and Jesus was quite a far place away. And when Jesus got the message that Lazarus was sick, he deliberately stayed where he was for two days. Now, if somebody you care about is sick or is critically ill, are you going to sit back and, oh, gee, I'll just finish this show first. You know, I'll just, you know, oh, don't worry. I'll, I'll get it all done first. Then only I'll, I'll, I'll see to, uh, I'll come and help you. No, you normally rush. You normally go immediately, right? So why did Jesus delay? Is it because he doesn't love Mary, Martha, or Lazarus? No, of course not. Because if you see from verse 5 to 6, although Jesus loved Martha, Mary and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So what it means that Jesus still loves Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love us when he doesn't come immediately to our aid. Right? Now, so, and sometimes you wonder, maybe Jesus stayed two days, extra two days, just because, oh, maybe there, there were some dangers on the road. And there were dangers. Because if you read from verse 7 to 8, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. But his disciples were scared. They said, Rabbi, a few days ago, the people in Judea wants to stone you. Are you going there again? So he's not actually going to a happy, friendly place. He's actually going to a place where it's hostile. All right? And Jesus wasn't hiding. All right? Jesus actually loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus enough to brave through a hostile crowd to get to him. So what, what does it show that God's delay never means he doesn't love us. See? So why did Jesus delay? You see, wouldn't it be easier that he just goes there and, and fixes it all up? The next point 
I believe the next point will explain it because every disappointment is an opportunity for the divine. All right? Now, which is going to be the greater miracle? Jesus healing Lazarus when he's critically ill or Jesus raising Lazarus after he's been dead for four days? You see, so in verse 4, Jesus actually told his disciples that Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. In fact, Jesus has already planned from the start that for the glory of God, he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. So he's already given his disciples a preview that, look, I'm going to do this, all right? I've never planned for Lazarus to die and stay dead, all right? In fact, sometimes the disciples think that Lazarus was sleeping, literally sleeping. If you, if you look through the, the verses, they thought that because Jesus said Lazarus is going to sleep, uh, and for your sakes, I'm going to wake him up. Then Jesus had to make it clear to you, it is clear as day, friends, Lazarus is dead. And for your sakes, I'm glad that I wasn't there, for now you will really believe. So does it mean that sometimes when we go through trials and God delays His intervention to us, does it mean that probably He's got something greater in mind? Maybe it's for somebody else's sake, for a greater purpose. Why? Do you know why? Because if you read the Scriptures, Bethany where... Mary, Martha, and Lazarus lived. It's only a few miles away from Jerusalem. And he says a great crowd gathered to console Mary and Martha. And I believe that Jesus used that, this seemingly crisis, this hopeless crisis, to actually display his glory because he's got a greater, he's got a greater plan in place. All right. Now, to our lives, and you think that, oh, Jesus... Yeah, I know, you, you're going you're gonna to help me, you're going to delay a little bit, and uh, I know somebody else is going to get blessed. But what about now? I'm in pain. <laughs> All right. Now, if you look from verse 33 to 37, when Jesus arrived, Martha came out first and said, Oh, if only you are here, my brother will not be dead. Mary came after that and said the same thing. So within the same story, both sisters of course they were sisters, because they were thinking the same thing. All right. God, if only you are here, my brother would not have been dead. And the scripture says that when Jesus saw her weeping, her means Mary, and all the other people wailing with her, a deep anger welled up within him, and he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him, he asked. And Jesus wept the moment they said, Lord, come and see him. And the, the people standing nearby said, see how much he loved him. And some said, this man healed the blind man. Couldn't he kept Lazarus from dying? Now, just a bit of trivia, all right? You know that that is the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept, all right? But the shortest verse in the Bible has triggered so many questions in my heart through the years. Is that, Jesus, why do you weep? Why did Jesus wept? Oh, bad English. Why Jesus wept? Correct my England, all right? I'm Malaysian, so I can, I can afford to have mistakes. Um, why Jesus wept? Have you ever thought about that? You see, is, did Jesus weep because, oh no, Mary Martha, I agree now, I'm too late. Oh, I should have come earlier. I should have just solved this problem. Now all of you are in, in sorrow and mourning. Is that the case? No, because Jesus has deliberately wanting to do this greater miracle. Now, what about... The, the other possibility where maybe Jesus came and he just wants to sort of, you know, 
you know, sometimes you, you go to a situation and you just want to show that, oh, I show some solidarity. You know, I cry, I cry when you cry, but you're not really crying. <laughs> you, you know, you know <laughs> sorry, I'm just, I'm speaking reality here. But you, you know, that sometimes you laugh, at, you laugh at somebody just because, oh, yeah, I better give him some sympathy, a, a sympathy laugh. <laughs> you know, may, maybe he's giving a sympathy cry. All right? No, because in Jesus there is no falsehood. All right? In Christ, there is no falsehood. Um, so it, the people in the crowd, we could be the people in the crowd that have asked, yeah, why can't Jesus come earlier? Or, yeah, oh, Jesus really loved him. Yes. You see? So why Jesus wept? Have you ever thought about that? The answer lies in the anger. I can feel your anger. Oh, that's a story from Star Wars. All right. Okay. Love Star Wars. All right. So Jesus wasn't a Sith, all right? Um, Jesus, actually, if you read through the Scriptures, Jesus was angry. He was angry to the point that he wept, all right? What was he angry about? Was he angry at Mary and Martha for crying? Or was he angry that Lazarus is dead? None of this. Because I believe that Jesus wept because he was so overwhelmed in anger at the pain of death. He saw the pain that sorrow and death brought upon his loved ones. All right? He saw what, how much death can just tear away somebody's spirit to the point that Mary and Martha, who probably loved him so much, questioned his love, questioned whether he is really there for them or for Lazarus. So Jesus was angry at death. You know, in fact, he actually strengthened his resolve probably from that to go to the cross and conquer death itself. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes I do fear death. You know, the death is that uncertain veil that we do not know what happens after that. And when somebody we love crosses that veil, it, I think the, the harder part is the ripple effect that it, it leaves with the people who are still here. You know, the pain that you don't feel that, you're not sure whether you're going to see them again. Even though you say by faith, oh yeah, just like what Martha said to Jesus, is that, oh yeah, I know he, Lazarus will, raise, will rise in the resurrection of the dead. But that is just her trying to cope with her logic, trying to cope with her faith. And Jesus knows that. I know that it has been a, it's been a sad time in Port Lincoln the last two weeks, as you know about the tragedy. And you see how much sorrow and pain that death brings. All right? And it shakes somebody's faith. Even to, even to the ones who seem so strong, just like Mary and Martha. So with you and I, when we go through such trials and when we question God, and when we say, God, do you really love me? I can tell you that Jesus knows how it feels. And Jesus even wept. He was so angry. And in fact, if you read through the scripture later on, when he arrived at Lazarus' tomb, he says he was still angry. He was still angry at death itself. So I want to encourage you that Jesus knows your pain. Jesus knows my pain. Jesus knows the times when we really shake our fists and we say, God, I really don't understand. Jesus knows it, all right? And I just want to share with you one more point, that His grace goes beyond our greatest doubts. When Jesus arrived at Lazarus' tomb, He asked Mary and Martha to roll the stone aside. Now, Martha, as you read in the Scripture, says, Lord, He has been dead for four days, the smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you 
that you will see God's glory if you believe. And you can see that Martha was still doubtful. You see, Martha still doubted all the way to the end, but his grace goes beyond Martha's doubts. But then you think about it in, in, in a logical form, you know, that it is hard sometimes in, our, in the reality of life for us to, to have faith in a world that is so much logic. And Martha was just operating logically. He said, God, my, my brother's dead for four days. You know, if you came a day before, maybe he's still half comatose. You can still raise him up. I can tell you from a doctor's point of view, you were dead for four days, you're really dead. All right? <laughs> if you are, you might be dead for a few hours and you're not sure during those days, maybe they don't have good equipment to say that, oh, he's just comatose. So, all right, he'll, he'll wake up again. But if you're really dead for four days and you're not breathing, you're really dead. Okay? If, if the sickness doesn't kill you, people wrapping your head up in, like a mummy will kill you. They'll suffocate you, and you're dead. All right? So you are dead, truly dead. All right? And, and so Martha was faced with this struggle between her faith and logic. You know, and many times when Jesus comes to tell us specifically to roll some of our tombstones aside, will we have that little faith to say that Jesus Yes, this doesn't make sense to me, but I will do it anyway. I thank God that Martha actually decided that, yes, I'll give Jesus the benefit of the doubt and I'll roll the stone aside. Can you imagine if she says, Jesus, I don't want to roll the stone. Forget it. You're crazy. All right? I'm not doing this anymore. All right? But no. Thank God that Martha had that little bit more faith and say that, Jesus, I'll do it anyway. And Jesus performed such a great miracle. And when this year when God confronts us with our tombstones in our personal lives and even in the life of our church, will we be willing to say, Jesus, I, I don't understand it all, but I will do it anyway. All right. You know, in um, the last 18 months, Sharon and I also went through a bit of test of faith. Um, I can invite the musicians back up. We, after Abigail was born, while, while Sharon was pregnant with Abigail, she was diagnosed with gestational diabetes. As you know, it's the diabetes of pregnancy and when you normally, you, you're cured from it once you deliver. Right? And uh, well, after Abby was born, Sharon underwent the test again and it showed that her sugar was too high. In fact, it was almost, it, it shows that it's not just gestational diabetes anymore. It was actually real diabetes and we didn't believe it and then we tested it again and to our shock she was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes at such a young age and I was shocked and I asked God why do you do this because I do not know about you but if you're diagnosed with diabetes at a young age you have a lot of complications 10-15 years down the road and if you get diabetes at 30 years old at 45 you're going to get all the heart problems and all the other stuff and so God why, why do you do this to us and I struggled in my faith I struggled and um, we pray that God if you will heal us and you will touch Sharon a visiting minister with the gift of prophecy came and she didn't know about our circumstances but she prophesied over Sharon and said the affliction in your body is just an attack that will only last for a while and, and at first we thought oh really is, that, is there another attack coming but actually we thought maybe it's this diabetes and then we decided that, God, we're going to trust you. We're going to pray. 
we're going to pray and we're going to trust that, Lord, you're going to do what you're going to do. I had to confront those tombstones. Because normally when you get diagnosed with diabetes, you're not going to go back again and say, hey, please test me again and again and again, whether I've got diabetes or not. All right? And um, when we moved to Port Lincoln, we, we made a decision that we, we're going to test this time. We're going to test the test for diabetes. And normally you don't do it repeatedly. You just do it once for diagnosis. But this time we say, oh, we're going to do that test again. So we talked to her doctor here. And the doctor wasn't really convinced that this is going to go anywhere, but maybe because I'm a doctor, I said, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll just do it for you. All right. Uh, she had the test. And to our surprise, there was no diabetes. There was no diabetes. So I give glory to God because this is something that medicine cannot explain. Because if you have already diagnosed diabetes and it's confirmed, how do you revert back? All right? Only Jesus can heal. Only Jesus can heal. But if Sharon and I do not take that step of faith to face our tombstones and say, God, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you do it. I may look like a fool, but I'm going to trust you this time. All right? So, and we thought that, oh, maybe now that Sharon's pregnant, that she might have gestational, gestational diabetes again because normally when you have a first time, your second pregnancy, you should most likely have gestational diabetes, right? You know what? We had the test. When she was mid, middle of her pregnancy, there was no gestational diabetes. No gestational diabetes. Because I thought, well, sometimes I think that, oh God, yeah, I know I'll, I have enough faith for this, but I think you're not going to do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but God proved me wrong. You see, God proved me wrong. In my struggle between faith and logic, God proved me wrong. All right, and I pray that God will always prove us wrong because He always comes true despite of our weaknesses. Amen? So to sum it up, I just want to reiterate again that God, if only you are here, sometimes only it, it means, God, if only you can intervene where and when and how I want you to. Alright? So the next time when we say that, perhaps let us remember that God's delay does not equate to His rejection. That every disappointment is an opportunity for the divine. And that Jesus knows our pain as we suffer through. And His grace goes beyond our greatest doubts. God bless you all. I'll hand it back to Kylie.